You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome. We have a very special guest today, Mr. Mike Millich. All of our guests are special, but today we have a special, special guest, Mr. Mike Millich. Uh, Mike and I have had an opportunity to work together for, gosh, I want to say getting close to five years or so with his uh, negotiating consultancy. As, as you would imagine, as a partnering professional, the, the art and science of negotiating is, is key to being successful at uh, leading partnerships. And so Mike and I have enjoyed a, a great relationship doing a lot of work together and that work continues. But uh, I roped Mike in and, and asked him to spend some time with us to share some of his insights. So Mike, thanks for your time. Oh, glad to be here, glad to be part of it. So Mike, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to just ask you to share a little bit about your background and uh, let folks know, you know, kind of how you entered corporate America, how you earned some stripes, and then what uh, led you to lead Swift Negotia. Yeah, um, so I originally actually started in uh, on the financial side of things as a CPA, financial analysis, uh, ultimately uh, got recruited into, as you said, to, to corporate America um, in, in the pharmaceutical world and, and some other, uh, places that, um, asked me to get involved in negotiations for them. Um, found out that I really enjoyed it, started making it a focus of my career. Um, had an opportunity to, um, work with a global company, um, traveling the world, uh, uh, working with various organizations, helping them structure deals, um, and get them done. Um, that ultimately led to the opportunity for us to launch uh, Swift Negotia about 12 years ago, um, and we've continued to work with um, primarily Fortune 100 companies, but a lot of medium-sized and even smaller-sized companies um, every, everywhere around the world, and we go in and help them prepare and structure and, and uh, close deals, and we also, um, along the way, help them uh, uh, put the negotiating skills into their organization through training and systems and all those sorts of things. So awesome. that's what we do. So Mike and I have had an opportunity. We've uh, traveled the country, traveled across the U.S. together anyway, to uh, work with each other's clients. And as I've mentioned, negotiating partnerships and managing and leading and setting, uh, you know, just kind of architecting partnerships. I mean, they just, they, they go, they go so well together. So Mike and I have uh, enjoyed putting, putting our, um, our passions and loves together and to, to, to help these different companies out. But Mike, I, it's so interesting whenever I think about just even the word negotiating, <laughs> you know, just the, the word negotiating almost makes hair on your back stand up a little bit and blood pressure, you know, raises a little bit. We envision this interrogation room, but whenever it comes to negotiating and, and putting, I guess, deals in place or really just kind of getting alignment or buy-in from folks, what's, what's a more appropriate way for people to think about what negotiating actually is? Well, another great question, great lead-off question. Um, and, you know, it, it really does depend upon uh, what environment you're in, understanding, you know, are you in a, you know, highly transactional, commoditized type of, you know, one-off deal kinds of negotiations, or um, are you in a more collaborative, cooperative type uh, environment, or are you somewhere in between? Um, you know, you can imagine um, if, if you're dealing, if you're selling pencils to a purchasing department, 
um, you're in a pretty transactional environment and they're going to be looking to maximize the benefits for them at your expense. Um, on the other hand, you know, if, if you're talking about strategic partnerships, which is uh, what we're all about here, you know, those, those are long-term uh, relationships. Um, and that, so that's, that changes the, the whole dynamic um, of, uh, of how you want to approach negotiation. So I think when people, ultimately, when I hear people say to, say to me that they get, you know, their blood pressure raises and they get nervous and they, that tells me usually that they, that they probably would benefit, uh, from learning a little more about negotiation. So they understood how to think about it in a way that doesn't make it so scary. Cause it doesn't really have to be that scary. I mean, you, sometimes you deal with people who are you know, not the most pleasant people, but you have to remember that those people do that because they, it, it works for them, you know, and, and, and so you learn how to make it not work for them. Like, so whenever we think of negotiating, as I mentioned, you know, especially as partnering professionals, our, our minds immediately go to, I'm negotiating with a counterpart to try to put a deal in place or to try to do an amendment. But the fact of the matter is we actually negotiate every day, don't we? And with our coworkers, with our bosses, with our executives, we're trying to sell this vision of a certain direction that we're want, wanting to go with the relationship. Negotiation happens a lot more outside of contracts than it does inside of contracts, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really, you know, some people say it's the lang language of business, but the reality of it is that negotiating is just one other way to help you resolve a conflict or to influence uh, a situation in a, in a certain way. Um, and people who are skilled in negotiation understand some of these other ways to also resolve conflict or move, move use, use influence to move things in a certain way. Um, negotiation is rarely, if ever, the first tool that they're gonna grab out of their toolbox to, to get that done. But if they go through and they and they are not successful at trying to get what they want through some of these other methods, then negotiation it can be very effective um, in in getting you know sort of what you want done. So, Mike, I know you work with a lot of different companies and professionals that are are all on the spectrum of partnerships, as we like to say. You know, there's very transactional relationships that are highly commoditized and they're highly collaborative. Uh, relationships, which are really focused on innovation and increasing the size of the pie, if you will, that, that proverbial kind of win-win, that multiplier effect. Um, how is negotiating deals different uh, on that more transactional, commoditized, zero-sum game approach? What would some experiences look like or maybe some preparations or mindsets or strategies for that highly transactional side with maybe procurement or supply chain management, as opposed to the strategic deal side? Right. So, you know, in, in, in the, you mentioned procurement. So, you know, one of the things that procurement will often do that tells you right away, you're in a competitive situation is they're going to, they're going to issue an RFP a request for proposal. Um, and they're, they're ultimately going to try to use that information against you because they're going to ask everybody for one of those. Um, and then they're going to pick the, you know, the best two or three, and then they're going to ask those three vendors to come in and essentially negotiate against one another to get, uh, to get the best deal. Um, so you're, you know, you're, you're going to see, um, you, you know, you're, you're going to see a very competitive type environment, 
um, when when you're in a transactional situation, you know, there, there's not a there's not a relationship there. Even you know, with procurement departments, ultimately their job is to try to commoditize every single vendor that they've got. Now they can't always do that, and sometimes they've got to you know they've got to be um, realistic and recognize that there are some partners that, or there are some vendors that are going to be strategic and they have to handle them a different way. Um, but uh, ultimately, you know, they're they're trying to do that. Um, on the other on the other side, you know, when we talk about um, you know partnerships, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about long term relationships that have to be uh, rooted in trust because ultimately you've got to get to uh, you've got to lay the groundwork or the foundation, if you will, for a collaborative cooperative type of environment. So the way you approach the initial negotiation. Um, is very, very different. You know, you're not going to be doing things that are going to indicate to the other party that they're, um, you know, that, that you're looking to um, be highly competitive. Um, you're going to contact them. You're going to be, the information that you're going to share in that process, you know, going through that process is going to look very different than what you're going to find in a more competitive, as you mentioned, you know, purchasing or procurement, you know, type, uh, type situation. Um, so it's going to feel very, very different. So negotiating to buy a used car or a hostage situation is very different than hopefully a three, four, five, 10 year strategic relationship with, uh, with a counterpart. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, you know, if, if you're, if you're negotiating with, uh, you know, a potential strategic partner, you're going to have to live with that. You're going to have to live with those people and you're going to have to lay that groundwork so that they trust you. And if you start off with them in a way that they can't trust you or to feel like they can't trust you, that's not a good way to get started. So it's really important to understand how to approach negotiations when you know there's going to be a long-term relationship and, and, and it has to have a basis of trust from the very beginning. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Mike, uh, as you were talking, the, the word that popped into my head was power. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, procurement groups or especially these large companies, you know, we, we typically call them sumos and they really try to flex their power and, uh, you know, size is power and the, the size of agreements that companies can get with those large sumos is obviously very attractive, that revenue. Talk to us a little bit about power. What is power and how should we think about power? from the sumo side, as well as that smaller company of how they should think about power. Right. So, I mean, broadly speaking, power is the ability to have the other party do something that they wouldn't otherwise do or not do something that they otherwise would do. Um, and, and it's about uh, your ability to, uh, to influence people to do that. Um, the, the thing that I think most people fall short um, is particularly small companies is that they, they feel like automatically um, they're coming in uh, with no power. The interesting thing about that though is the other side, no matter how big they are, often can feel the, the exact same way. Um, and so we spend uh, a lot of time, well, let me, let me go back and say this. Um, the other party is only going to be as flexible with you or negotiate with you. If you'd like to learn that, you'd like to use that term. They're only going to be as flexible with you uh, as to the extent they understand why it's in their interest to do so. 
And so that's why power analysis before you ever meet with, with this other party is extremely important. Um, and we spend a lot of time in what we call our preparation phase. We use a four phase method, but we spend a lot of time um, helping our clients understand how to analyze power because ultimately, you know, there are many studies that, that show this. It's not actually who has the most power uh, uh, always who, who gets the better deal. It's, it's people, it's, it's the side that understands how to implement certain skills and use their power uh, or other skills in a way um, that gets them to a point where they, they want to be. So it's a little bit of a misnomer to, to say that it's just all about power. Um, you know, as we've talked about before, um, one of the, one of the very first things you could, one of the very first and easiest ways to understand if you've got power in a situation is if the other side has approached you, uh, because if, 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 you know, they don't wake up in the morning going, gosh, I've got a couple hours to kill here today. I think I'll call Mark and just mess with them for a couple hours. You know, that's not how the world works. So if they're calling you and they're spending time, you know, calling, uh, to, uh, to set up a time to talk to you. You have something that they want, but it's up to you to figure out what it is they want and how much value it, they place on it. And that's where good power analysis um, makes, makes a, a big difference and, and having the skills to sort of ferret that stuff out. So, Mike, your methodology, um, you know, how do you, you tell people to do, like, engage in this information share? It seems so many times that uh, companies tend to be pretty coy or really hold information close to their vests. What are some general comments that you'd share uh, with, with listeners about information and, and how is information used? Right. Uh, that, that's a great insight there. You know, um, you could really say the art and science of negotiation lies in how you use information. Um, and um, I think most of us are trained or, or at least, you know, have an, an initial feeling that we should, we should hold information here because it's, you know, it's power and we don't want to, we don't want to release that. Um, the, the truth of the matter is that, that the big issue that causes um, so much, uh, you know, dancing and manipulation and coyness in a, in, in a negotiation is, is just simply this. Um, how do I tell the other party what it is I want or need without putting myself in a weak position? And that's where people really struggle um, because they oftentimes they don't have the skills. And that's what, you know, you mentioned earlier, the blood pressure goes up. That's one that'll raise, raise the blood pressure. Um, and so what we do is we help them understand um, how to handle information and, and use it in a way that will help move the negotiation in a direction that they want it to go. It's a big subject and I, you know, it'd be hard to cover, it'd be hard to cover everything in, in just this session, but, um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, consider that, you know, if, if you're, if you have information and you're holding all of it as a secret, you know, then, how can it be power? It can't be because the other, the other side doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> so, so you have to, the art is, and the science, you know, some science to it, the art is, is to, is to try to figure out and understand how to communicate that information without putting yourself in a weak position. Um, and that's what we, that's what we do. 
Yeah. So Mike, you had mentioned that your methodology has kind of four stages or four you know phases of a process. Um, obviously it's very involved. Your typical course is three days, three full days of going through that. But uh, can you give us a little glimpse into what that roadmap looks like and maybe the first phase, what are some components of that? Yeah, um, great question. And, and, this, and this is where, um, you know, again, some of this uh, art and science is rooted. Um, our method is rooted in a bunch of independent researchers that were, that were actually um, researching nego- negotiations happening between various companies around the world. And they discovered um, that no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're negotiating, there's this underlying structure that exists in every negotiation. And that structure actually provides a very easy and simple way to understand where you're at in the negotiation and what the best next thing to do is. You can think of it like a map. Um, if you have, if someone hand, hands you a map in a strange city, you can immediately tell uh, three things. One is you can figure out where you're at. The next is where you want to go. And the third is the best way to get there. Well, that's what this structure allows you to do. You can say, oh, here's where I'm at in the negotiation. And given that, these are the best things for me to consider to do to move it in a direction that, that I want it to go. The four phases that we use um, are the preparation phase, um, then dialogue, what we call the dialogue phase, um, then proposals, um, and then close, closing the, uh, the negotiation. Um, with preparation, that's the first phase. As I mentioned, it starts with power analysis. If you don't do a thorough job with power analysis, um, the rest of your preparation is going to be um, it, it's it's going to be hurt significantly because you don't understand um, where the the opportunities are and where the risks are and and all those sorts of things. So we spend a lot of time with our clients uh, on understanding. Uh, the power analysis um, that that um, that exists, then it goes back to that information uh, uh, thing that you mentioned before. You've got you've got a lot of information that you need. You have a lot of information that you could potentially share. Um, you have you've got you, you're making certain assumptions. Um, you've got um, certain information that um, could potentially um, be acquired. Um, and so you have to understand how to handle all of those different things. Um, so we, we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. And then, then there's this idea of, you know, what is it that we want out of this negotiation and how do we set, um, our objectives for negotiations? Um, you know, it turns out that, you know, um, skilled negotiating, uh, objectives, uh, set, uh, create flexibility, essentially. Um, you know, if, if you don't have any flexibility in your objectives and you really don't have a negotiation, you just have a list of demands, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, you know, skilled, skilled objection, uh, objective setting is about creating those, fle- creating that flexibility. And then if you have to move off of your, you know, what you want, you move off of it in a way that gives the other party what they want, but on terms that make good business sense for you. Um, and, and so we show people how to do that and do it. And particularly for the strategic partner, partnering professional, 
we show, we show them how to do it in a way that, that creates a collaborative and cooperative environment with the other party versus, you know, the, the competitive, you know, kind of transactional type of uh, environment that, that they really want to avoid. So Mike, how does having good negotiating skills, how does that help foster good relationships, good partnerships? Is there any kind of a, a correlation between negotiating skills and, and relationships, relationship building? Uh, absolutely. Um, there's, there's no question. I mean, if, if you, uh, if, if your understanding of negotiation is, you know, I have to win and they have to lose, or it's a very competitive, you know, transaction, like you mentioned earlier, if it's about the sale of your car, um, and you're never going to see that person again, then, you know, a lot of times they're out to maximize their benefit at your expense. Um, but um, if, if you're not, then, you know, good negotiation skills ought to, ought to actually help build a relationship uh, and, and prevent, uh, you know, damage or certainly minimize damage uh, from conflicts that, that arise. So good negotiating skills are all about, uh, you know, building better relationships and protecting relationships um, when you're talking about those kind of long-term relationships, those kind of things. You know, Mike, a lot of times uh, people, when they think about good negotiating skills, you know, they think about uh, getting good deals and getting, getting, getting these great terms, especially in, in partnering deals. But isn't it also true that great negotiating skills will really be highlighted after the deal is signed, whenever you really get into the management of the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. You'll do far more negotiating after the deal than you do during the deal. Um, because you're going to, again, you're going to be living with that deal now for the next several years. And there's going to be all sorts of little things that come up, little conflicts, little things that give you an opportunity to use good negotiating skills to resolve those conflicts without damaging the relationships. And then many times um, improving the relationships. We, you know, we like to say if, if, you know, if you've got to go back and break out the contract, then the relationship is probably in jeopardy or maybe even dead. So the whole idea of, of uh, you know, of good negotiating skills is to prevent that sort of thing. Yeah, and it, it should be about the relationship, right? Not, not right. the written agreement, but That's what right. is this collective vision that we have, our commitment to each other, our relationship, our loyalties to each other, our commitment to this vision, especially on this, on, you know, on this strategic side, uh, to, to commit that. And I, I love that. It makes perfect sense. Um, so what about the course? So you and I are working together mm -hmm. and we are going to add a strategic negotiating course to the partnernomics mix. Yeah. And uh, man, I've, I've really enjoyed working with you over the past couple of months as we're starting to put this together. Uh, we should have it launched later this summer or uh, early fall, but would you mind just kind of sharing a little bit about this uh, this online course that we're creating and maybe even how it's uh, different than what you've traditionally done with your uh, in-person or face-to-face -face courses? Yeah, well, first, the first thing is it's being specifically designed for uh, biz dev or strategic partnership professionals. And that's a big deal. Um, you know, from my perspective, I, I look at uh, you know, I think we have to acknowledge 70% of the partnerships out there um, fail. 
um, 30% don't, but, um, you know, is it important to continue to push those? Yeah, because we get, you know, much higher returns when partnerships are successful. And that's why we're seeing so many CEOs and so many businesses continuing to do more and more and more partnerships. So the next, um, you know, the next 10, 20 years are going to be, um, have tremendous opportunity for, for strategic partnership professionals. Um, and, um, you know, so you can, going forward, you can either be part of that group that, you know, is in the 70% crowd that continues to have failure after failure, or you can, you know, you can take some proactive uh, steps to, to improve your abilities to get to be in that other crowd that that's delivering successful partnerships. And I think that's really the, the brand you want to build for yourself in, in the industry. Um, this particular course is going to take a combination of what we do in the live course um, in terms of being able to watch negotiations um, and get feedback uh, from those negotiations and those experiences, along with the, the actual, um, you know, um, um, what would I call it, the didactic part of the negotiation, the training and all of that. And it's going to combine it in, uh, into something that you can do from your laptop. Um, and um, do it at, at your own pace and your own time um, and, and gain uh, a tremendous amount of, uh, of understanding and learning uh, about how to effectively negotiate um, as a strategic partnering professional. Yeah, I remember the first time that uh, Mike invited me out to, uh, to work with one of his clients and to see his methodology and by this time, I had, you know, been doing the, the partnering thing for almost 20 years, probably put close to 400 deals under my belt. And of course, you know, you, you think you're really good. It's, it's like, I think there's a statistic running around that says 85% of business professionals think they're an above average leader. <laughs> well, 50% is average, right? 50% is in the middle. And I think uh, with negotiating, that's, that's true as well. I would say 85 or 90% of business professionals think that they are above average negotiators. Um, what's, what are some, some ways, you know, so for the listeners that are out there, what's, what's some ways that they can test your hive and say, you know, could I benefit from some negotiating skills or could I, could I benefit from a course like, you know, Mark and, uh, and Mike are putting together? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so, um, we have a, a, ten, uh, a series of 10 questions. You can sort of call it a sort of quiz if, if you want. Um, and we've, we've, um, we've put this together specifically to help people understand whether or not um, this course would be useful and helpful for them in, in improving their skill sets. Um, and when they go through the questions, um, they should know the answers to these straight away when they read them. And if they don't, um, that that's a good indication that they could really benefit from um, some specific strategic partnering uh, negotiation skills type training. Um, I can um, I can make those available, uh, you know, to you. We can we can maybe put a link to them on the site. I can I can go through them right now if you like. Just depends on how much time we have. Sure. Yeah. Let's go ahead and just uh, hammer on them real quick. Okay. So um, here's the first one. Um, what main factor? Uh, make strong specialized negotiating skills essential for strategic partnering professionals. In fact, much more so than professionals in most other business functions. That's the first question. 
Uh, question number two, um, using just a one word answer, what characteristic distinguishes negotiation from persuading the other party uh, or using problem solving skills to resolve conflict? That answer should come to you pretty quickly. Um, number three, the extent to which the other party will be flexible and negotiate with you is a direct result of what? Uh, we've actually talked a little bit about this today. Um, number four, in preparing for a negotiation, skilled objective setting creates what? By setting legitimate what for a given issue. This in turn creates confidence for negotiators. So those, that, that, those answers should come to you very quickly. Number five, uh, no matter what preparation takes place, it's impossible to negotiate without having prepared a what. Um, and that one should be, um, you should have answered that question almost before I uh, finished the sentence. Um, next question, number six, um, the main task of dialogue is to find out what each party wants. The problem is always, how do I tell the other party what I want without putting myself in a weak position? Um, list three activities that good negotiators will use to help them overcome uh, the problem during the dialogue uh, phase of the negotiation. So you should be able to you know, um, list out some things that you would do to overcome those things. Um, number seven, blank are common in negotiations, uh, but they can't be negotiated. Um, if they're not identified and handled properly, then they create long extended unproductive dialogue. Uh, they increase tension, they can damage relationships, and they're often the reason behind why a no deal happens. So what is that blank that I'm talking about? Again, something that uh, someone who's going into strategic partnering negotiations should be very, very cognizant of. Um, number eight, um, quote, it's without precedent and would be difficult to do under these circumstances, end quote. Um, this is a response that a negotiator might hear and should immediately recognize as a what from the other party. Again, something that you should recognize pretty quickly. Um, number nine, being able to control the pace of a negotiation is important. Name three ways to slow a negotiation down. Um, we put this one in there because it is very, very important to be able to not only control the pace, but sometimes tensions can get high and those sorts of things. So what are the kinds of things that you can do to control those things so that they don't start uh, down a road where you can damage relationships? Um, and then the last one is the only way, and I'll, I'll emphasize only, the only way to move a negotiation forward is to blank what? So those are the, those are the 10 uh, quick questions that we ask. And if you find yourself, you know, not knowing several of those, um, that's a pretty good indication that you could really benefit as a strategic partnering professional from some very specific and specialized negotiating skills training. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thanks for putting that together, Mike. And yeah. we'll put a link uh, on our website so that people can go in and take a look at those questions and even complete the quiz uh, if, if they so desire. But uh, Mr. Mike, thank you so much for your time, man. It's awesome yeah. having you share yeah. your insights with us and uh, listeners. I look forward to continue working with you as we put the strategic negotiating course together and launch that uh, later this summer, or early this fall. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. 
Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit Partnernomics.com.